For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope that you are celebrating Maroon Friday by wearing maroon, of course. I have seen some people tweet in recent days. It makes me think that uh, they agree with me. It is time for Maroon Friday to be more of a regular occurrence again and that we begin to embrace that tradition. And perhaps as uh, football season rolls in, maybe that'll happen. A lot of positivity out there, and and here's the thing, folks. Next week, Greg Zanke is going to meet remotely, I guess by teleconference, with uh, the leadership of the conference, and they're going to discuss what is to come for fall football. Now, there is a lot of discussion out there right now, not about if we're going to play or if we're not going to play, but how much we're going to play. It's big. You know, it's interesting, too, the uh, Mississippi Association of Community Colleges uh, could give Courtney Robb of WCBI the scoop there. She put out that uh, they are now considering a six-game divisional schedule this fall beginning in October. You may recall that the NJCAA elected earlier this month to say, you know what, we're going to push junior college football to the spring. Mississippi Association of Community Colleges abstained from that vote We discussed it on the show at length here about a week or so ago. Spoke to some people around the uh, the state that really wanted to play this fall. So it appears there is going to be an abbreviated season, but there will be a community college season in the state of Mississippi this fall. And as I've said many times, it, it makes sense to me if they can pull it off because there are so many of these, especially the Power Five, you know, and, and I know that's a term that's kind of thrown around in connection with major college football. But, you know, for, for East Mississippi and Gulf Coast, Northwest, you know, some of those teams that are kind of loaded with Power 5 guys, I mean, you've had these guys, you come in, you, you give them an opportunity to kind of rehabilitate, rehabilitate their career and reset their recruitment, and now they're going to be gone and you're not going to have an opportunity to get any benefit from it. And so that's interesting. And so now those guys will have an opportunity to play this fall, and then uh, and we'll go from there. And here's the deal, too. It's the season's not really for those kids. You know, the season's for the rest of those guys that are trying to play their way in opportunity somewhere. But as you guys are aware, it's not just about, you know, players. I mean, you've got people out here that, in these communities that, uh, that need college football to survive. You know, I think about, you know, what happens to Scuba, Mississippi, if they don't play football? That was one of the decisions I know that they made a few years ago when they decided to redo the stadium there is they had discussed building the stadium in Mayhew where the satellite campus is, not too far from Starkville. And the president, the then president of East Mississippi, Dr. Huber, decided, you know what, we're going to build it in Scuba because of what it means to this community. Now, yes, some people could have gotten the car and made that drive to Mayhew, but that's, that's not just a hop, skip, and a jump. It's still a bit of a commitment there. But, you know, the Scuba Junction and all those businesses right there, and there's only a handful of them. And while Scuba may, may actually be the most desolate of the community college communities around the state, uh, they're all very dependent 
on the revenue that is produced by football games. Now, let's be honest, attendance is going to be down around the country. It's going to be down in your community. It's going to be down at the high school level. It's going to be down college level, everywhere. They're going to, they're going to limit attendance. But even if they didn't, there are going to be some people that elect to stay home just to kind of protect themselves. And they should. If you feel that way and if you're concerned about being around big crowds, and I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes when I go out, even going to, you know, just going to the store and pick up a few things, man, I want to get in there and get out. You know, it's not that I'm scared of anything, but it's just one of those things. You know, it's like there's just so much out there we don't really know. And I've had some people very close to me that have tested positive for the virus. And so I just, you know, I want to take care of business and get in and get out and get back home and, and, uh, and kind of get things rolling again. And there are a lot of people that are even, you know, more consistent, I guess, in their uh, resistance to all this. You know, we went to quarantine. I barely went to town. I mean, I would go weeks at a time without even really leaving the house, just except for, you know, maybe uh, kind of get out and walk around the property a little bit. And there were sometimes I broke quarantine and just rode up and down 82. You know, drove over to, to Winona a few times and back. Drove over to Columbus and back a few times just, just to get out and, you know, just let my car run a little bit and listen to some tunes and just remind myself that I'm alive. And so... You know, I, I'm, I get out and I move around a little bit now. And I'm not quite as, um, you know, I guess reluctant to go to the store and that kind of stuff. But uh, there are going to be some people that say, you know what, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that aspect of life, Steve, but I'm not ready to go sit in the stands, you know, with 20,000 people. It's not quite ready to do that. And you know what, that's okay. Nobody should feel guilty about that. And that's one of the things about this whole thing that, that uh, it really kind of drives me batty sometimes. But it is a positive step. So bottom line, it is a positive step. We're beginning to, to solidify a schedule. Then we'll wait to hear back what the SEC is going to do. I, listen, there's some people talking in the Big Ten. They may do a 10 plus 1 schedule. You know, we had talked on Wednesday that there was a lot of talk about the SEC doing an 8 plus 1, which is eight conference games and a non-conference game. There's, there's discussion the Big Ten might play 11 games. I don't know if that's the case for the SEC, but I can't imagine the SEC – is going to be out of step with the other Power Five conferences. Greg Sankey, probably and arguably the best Power Five sports commissioner in the college game. Now, we have differing opinions when it comes to officiating in the league. We have differing opinions when it comes to compliance within the league. Uh, but by and large, I think, listen, Greg Sankey is a very strong commissioner. I think most people that have that are observers of this league will understand it's not just a TV deal. It's the fact that there's there's a branding now with the SEC, and there's always been a great one. But, um, you know, when Greg Sankey speaks, generally college football listens. And so I can't imagine that Greg Sankey is going to let other conferences kind of dictate what he wants to do. And I think that's pretty much evidenced by the fact that when those reports first came out, everybody's like, well, you know, here's the deal, you know. They're going to go to non-conference games, uh, a ban on non-conference games, be conference games only. It would have been very, very easy for Greg Sankey to just come out and say, you know what, hey, if that's what they're going to do, then that's what we're going to do. But that's not what happened. Greg Sankey says, hey, let's, let's wait and let's talk things out. we still got time to figure it out. And as I've said on the show many times, the month of July was going to be one you could kind of relax a little bit when it came to all of this. You know, that's, that hasn't stopped some of the national media from their – their NCAA college football crisis owe the day. But there wasn't going to be a decision made till late July, early August. And so here we go. I understand that meeting's going to take place July 30th. Then there'll be a decision. So there you go. 
It should have been a month where you could have uh, put some of that anxiety on hold. But I know it's difficult because we're also mostly invested in college football. We all want to play. We all want to see our Bulldogs back on the field. And it's one of those things, too, just like getting in the car and riding down the highway and putting on some Motley crew and putting your fist in the air, to be reminded that we're alive a little bit. Listen, I've done some things around this house to make it a little funner, uh, to make it a, a place that I enjoy a lot more, because if I'm going to be here more, I, listen, I want to be able to enjoy life. I don't just want to sit here and watch Netflix and stare out the window waiting for the phone to ring. And that's what college football does for the rest of us. It reminds us that there is something that unites us and that we can put a lot of this other stuff, you know, behind us. And uh, it's, 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 so, it's so frustrating. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. I didn't get back around to it. It's so frustrating. There are so many people out there that, uh, you know, if you do not believe the way they believe, if you do not share the same opinion then you're a complete idiot. You know, listen, I'm a firm believer and we can disagree and still be friends. We don't have to agree on everything. And it's something that I heard as a kid that I've never forgotten. And the first person that I heard say it was Lloyd Benson, who was a vice presidential candidate under uh, Michael Dukakis. And he says, you know, if two people agree on everything, only one person's doing the thinking. And I believe that is true. But if you have strong opinions about the virus or about attendance or about college football or about whatever... Listen, I'll hear you out. You might change your mind. You probably won't. But I'm still going to value you as a friend. And, and I had a message earlier today from one of my high school classmates. And uh, she mentioned, you know, there's this, there's some people that she's I never thought in a million years that I would have to unfriend some of our friends from high school because of how crazy they have become on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I guess that's the, that's always the case. You can always do this sort of stuff. You know, I, I, honestly, I don't I don't judge people too harshly you know, for their values and their opinions because we've all lived a different experience. But um, I, I get it. There are so many people out there. It's it, it, There are some psychic vampires out there on social media that want to feed off of you and drain all the energy out of you to feel better about their own side of things. That That is reality. There are so many people out there that, you know, they are, they're so well rehearsed that if you stumble into a discussion and you offer your opinion, if you don't have the talking points of the day, they're going to rip you to shreds because of you shared your opinion. And uh, it's just silly. It's absolutely silly. And that's this whole thing. You know, anytime that I post one of these articles on Facebook about you know, what the SEC is saying about attendance, what the state of Mississippi has said about attendance, inevitably, within seconds of this article being, being posted, somebody says, well, we're not even going to play. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. Let me let me inform Greg Sankey and Mark Emmert that Joe Blow, or what, what was his name? Uh, Bobby from Bogachitta. Wasn't that who it was? Bob from Bogachitta. Wasn't that who Joe Moore had referenced? So Bob from Bogachitta knows more than the, the, the power brokers of college football. You know, listen, I, I get that there's a lot to be negative about, but when the people that make these decisions are being positive about a season being played, let's celebrate that success. Our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Love them. You will, too. You absolutely need to go by and visit with them and let them feed you. They know how to feed folks. They're part of a restaurant family that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. And now you got two locations to serve you. One right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas. And they're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, a wonderful location there. 
I've been by there as well. You, you folks are very fortunate to have that great building there on Gloucester Street. I mean, it really is a cool place to go. The Bulldog Burger family expanding. You know, you never know what's going to happen next. You, you never know. You never know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out. Nobody's told me anything. It's just kind of one of those things of just watching this family and watching this, you know, Bulldog Burger Company. I know with all the pandemic stuff, maybe it didn't happen right away, but I could see in the next couple of years that you have some more Bulldog Burger companies out, out there. Go by. Find your own favorites. Let me encourage you to get the spring rolls. I, I, I'll recommend the Pimentology at Bacon if you're asking for an expert opinion. You'll be happy you went. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into a couple things here uh, before we get too deep into the show. Oh, so yesterday was a big disappointment for us. Um, Dwayne Lofton, wide receiver out of Fort Worth, Texas, who had kind of been trending towards Mississippi State, in fact, told me over the weekend that he had everything he needed to get his commitment made, had his graphic, had his speech, and then sometime in the last 48 hours, things changed. Now, here's the deal about that. The first thing that everybody says is, well, Steve, what changed? Well, you know, I have been doing this now for over 20 years, and I have asked that question many, many times. I don't know that I have gotten an honest answer yet. And I'm not going to call the kid up and say, hey, well, why didn't you commit to Mississippi State? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why he didn't commit to Mississippi State. But uh, I'll share with you what I learned. So, you know, go to bed, you know, Wednesday night and uh, checked all the sources. And we already had, listen, we already had multiple stories written for Dwayne Lofton, uh, commitment to Mississippi State on Thursday, post announcement at 2 o'clock. Paul Jones had a story, two stories together. Gabe Brooks, our uh, analyst from the state of Texas, had a story ready, and then I had a story ready. We were going to do the whole thing up, and uh, we were all in concert talking to different people, getting the same information. And then Thursday morning, I'm getting ready to leave and uh, run to town and uh, grab some lunch. That's one of those things I do for myself just to get out of the house a little bit. And before I get out of the house, I get a phone call and say, hey, I got some bad news. I guess, what's the bad news? Dwayne Lofton's going to commit to Virginia Tech. Now, that was a bit of a surprise because Virginia Tech has not been much of a factor in his recruitment. He hadn't heard them mentioned a lot. Then I go, you know, I say, well, what's going on here? So get on the phone, start making some calls. Matter of fact, I called Paul Jones. I said, hey, listen, I'm checking with some people. You need to check as well. There's some discussion here. This kid's about to go to Virginia Tech. And uh, so – you know, go check out the Virginia Tech site, kind of see what they're saying. They're cautiously optimistic. And then I, I called somebody else and I said, hey, are, are we good here? And they're like, no, it, it's, it's not good at all. He's going to go to Virginia Tech. And so the question you always wonder is, well, why? I mean, why, what, what happened? What changed? And you're, I'm always reminded that uh, how impulsive 17, 18, 19-year-old kids are. You know, goodness, i got two girls in college right now, and, and sometimes you know, they'll be sitting here doing fine, what are you doing? Nothing. Next thing I know, they're on a plane to California. You know, it's, uh, it's a different deal. And so I forget that sometimes, and I appreciate my girls for kind of keeping me somewhat grounded with all that because, uh, you know, young people are very impulsive. And so I was told in the end that he really wanted to, um, to play Power 5 football. Mississippi State and Virginia Tech both were on him, and then something – changed i don't know if mississippi state wasn't ready to take him 
I don't know if perhaps, um, you know, he wanted to get as far away from Texas as possible because everything that I have heard for the better part of six months is that, uh, you know, he wants to be close to his mom and uh, would, would prefer to stay somewhere in the state of Texas. And there was a lot of discussions about SMU you know, being a landing spot for him. And uh, to really watch TCU, his head coach played at TCU, had a good experience there. And the kid being from Fort Worth, Texas, it would make sense for him to go to TCU. And that is still a possibility. You know, you never know what's going to happen late. He is an early enrollment guy, so it makes him even more attractive because he'll be able to go through spring practice. But the bottom line is, is the kid has made his decision, he's going to Virginia Tech. And so, then the question comes, well, Steve, is it over? Well, I don't think it's over, but I think Mississippi State's pursuit of the kid is probably over. I just don't think, you know, when you go through all this and, and the kid has you get a graphic together and have you get all the, you know, have people do things for him to announce his commitment and then that falls through. I just, yeah, I think you, you kind of figure it out. You know, it's kind of like when you go on that first date and uh, you have a great time and you walk her to the door and then you lean in for the kiss and she gives you the handshake, it's probably best that you just kind of take her number out of your phone because you're in the friend zone. And that's where we are with Dwayne Lofton right now. And, again, don't know if that's if Mississippi State kind of withdrew a little bit uh, in the final hours or not. But the bottom line is he's not coming here, and uh, we'll move forward. So what does that mean now? Well, so Malik Neighbors, we've talked about him for a long time, and I understand what happens especially when, uh, when Paul Jones and I both, because listen, we've, we've, had, we've had a good run here as of late, uh, you know, this year. You know, we've had, you know, picked some of these kids and uh, hadn't had too many disappointments. And, we, and the ones that have been have been wide receivers at a position of need. So I get it. You know, Canarius Johnson's a guy that I still think will end up at Mississippi State if Mississippi State pushes the issue. Uh, but he's currently committed to Tulane, and now Taki's committed to Tulane. And I, I think that probably helps Canarius Johnson a little bit too because those two do know each other. And that Taki is very well thought of in the state of Mississippi. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, Jacoby Moore is a guy that uh, I have heard a lot of chatter about here in the last uh, 24 hours. Spoke to one of the coaches at Harrison Central yesterday. Spoke to a couple other people closer to Jacoby Moore to kind of say, hey, what's going on? It's, hey, you know, it's, it's kind of picked up here as of late. As early as yesterday morning, before Dwayne Lofton was supposed to commit, all of a sudden Mississippi State's in contact with Jacoby Moore again which is interesting. So either maybe, maybe State knew something, or then, again, maybe State decided to go in a different direction. you know, Or there could be no connection whatsoever, you know, because I think Loftins is going to end up being a slot receiver and uh, Jacoby Moore is an outside guy, and I think you need to go get a couple outside guys. But be that as it may, we're going to sign some receivers. And Malik Neighbors, I still believe, is going to be one of those guys. And, again, I know that when anytime something doesn't go as we expect, people kind of get a little gunshot here. And listen, I've been doing this for so long, you know, I, I understand it and I get it. And uh, listen, sometimes we take things for granted. That's one of the things I, I did a little inventory yesterday. I, you know, Mitch White writes some for us and uh, reached out to Gene Swindoll. I said, you know, here's the thing. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I'll just speak for me. You know, sometimes I let some other people just kind of say, hey, here's what's going to happen. And uh, I kind of take their word for it. And uh, one of the things that I did for many, many years – and I don't know if there was anybody maybe as nervous about recruiting as me, but if a kid told me he was going to commit to Mississippi State, I would still contact his coach, other coaches. I'd contact other contacts and sources, and I'd say, hey, is this kid telling me the truth? Because in this game, 
You can't always take what everybody says at face value. I can't count the time that some sources said, hey, listen, this kid's going to go to Mississippi State or this kid's going to go to LSU or whatever. And then in the end, they come back, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, had a bad read on it, you know. But you talk to a multitude of people. And that's one of the things yesterday I kind of kicked myself about a little bit. They didn't do my homework on Dwayne Lofton. Didn't do it. Yeah, I like I hadn't talked to that kid a bunch because uh, when I found out that he was probably going to stay closer to Texas, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm not going to waste a lot of time and effort into, you know, developing sources and people around it. I'll just stick with the usual suspects, and, and it cost me. And so that's the bottom line. It's part that's you live and learn. And so I spent just about all yesterday evening reaching out to people in the state of Mississippi to get as much information as I could get on Canaris Johnson and Jacoby Moore. Because I'm not going to be backdoored on that. I'm not going to be blindsided if I can help it. I'm not going to be a willing partner in that sort of stuff because I've got an obligation to all of you to provide you with quality information, stuff that you can believe in. And so when I tell you that a kid's going to commit, he needs to commit. And so, and I'm not going to come here and tell you, well, this is, you know, guaranteed. And that's where you get in trouble sometimes, too. And that's the deal with this one. I got a little too confident on a one source deal with this deal. And then the kid himself's like, hey, you know, yeah, it's all good. And then things change. And you say, well, Steve, how think, how could things change? Well, let's say for an example, and I don't know this, and this is just me speaking theoretically here. Yeah, but what, what, if, what if Mississippi State wasn't ready to take that kid's commitment? What if Mississippi State wanted to say, you know what, hey, let's pump the brakes on this one a little bit until we get into the season some, and all of a sudden the kid's ready to commit. And I say, you know what, hey, okay, well, let's let him go somewhere else. We can always go back on him. Uh, some kids get slow played. And especially when you look at a situation, you've got Brandon Buckhalter committed, who I, I believe can play a number of positions for Mississippi State. Very talented player. You know, he's one of those guys, too, that he committed early. I think some people kind of, you know, maybe they lost their hype with him a little bit. That kid can play. Then you've added Theodore Knox, and it's, it's incredible, again, how people lose their hype once they commit. People forget Theodore Knox, one of the, the highest-rated receivers that we've had committed in the recent era. And you get him, then you add Malik Neighbors. Well, it's three receivers in a potential four-receiver class. We talked about signing five. Then Terrell Shavers joins, and he, with two years of eligibility, he is essentially a junior college guy coming in because you know, he's, he's a two-year guy. So you don't want to get too far out of balance because you added two other two-year guys this year with Malik Heath and Caleb Docking. So now you've added three guys to the program that are going to be here for two years. So you got to be a little bit picky. And perhaps, again, just theoretically speaking, let's just say for an example, somebody said, you know what, I don't know if we need another slot receiver right now. Maybe we go get us an outside receiver. Maybe we go get us a guy like Jacoby Moore. And then we'll just kind of wait and see what happens this season because we might end up taking a fifth receiver and then come back in. And so I I say that not to make you feel better, but to make you understand it's not a shopping spree where we can go out there. It's like when your mom, you, you fall behind your mom. You're, I want this, I want this, I want that. There's only so much room in the buggy. There's only so many scholarships. And, you know, forget forget the fact, too, that we had five signees in the class on signing day, a wide receiver. You can run them down yourself. Caleb Ducking, Dietrich Griffin, Malik Heath, Rufus Harvey, J- uh, Jaden Wally. Then you add Tyrell Shaver. So that's six new scholarship wideouts to the class. And Trip Wilson is a walk-on. It might as well have been a signee in most years. 
and then you're going to go out and get four to five more this year. Well, you know, we're getting pretty full. So you got to make sure you know who you want. And I don't think you take Dwayne Lofton over another outside receiver. And, again, that's just my opinion. But I do think that you'll see State really crank it up on Jacoby Moore, Canaris Johnson. Uh, I, I, listen, I think we need – I think we got to go get an outside receiver. You get Malik Neighbors and you get Jacoby Moore, and then I think you, I think you really can be patient and be picky because you might not even take another receiver in the class. Once you, if you get those two, if you get up to four receivers, it might be it for this class. Because again, you got six 2020 wide receiver signees already. I think it gives you 10 in a matter of 13 months. That's a, that's a big commitment. Your friends at hotthorn.co are eagerly awaiting your feedback. What they want you to do is go take that two minute survey. And I don't even think it takes two minutes, but go to hotthorn.co, H A W T H O R N E.co, and take the quiz because nobody ever taught you how to buy a clone. They didn't me. You, know, you just kind of went with what was popular. You know, if Rolling Stone had an ad for something, I'm like, okay, well, cool. I like Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone interviews my favorite band, so this must be cool too. It's a little different deal now. You can have fragrances kind of paired up to your preferences, and that's what that quiz is for. You go take the quiz, figure out what you like, what you drink, what kind of food you like, what you prefer, and then they'll pair up that scent for you. I'm telling you, it's the best cologne that I've ever had. It is the absolute best cologne. I get more compliments about my Hawthorne cologne than any cologne I've ever worn, ever. Recently, I was in a hurry to get out of here, and I grabbed an old bottle of cologne. I sprayed it, and I got in the car, and I thought, wait a minute, this isn't the right stuff. I'm a Hawthorne guy now. You can get shampoo, conditioner, body wash. You get the work scent, the play scent, cologne. You're going to be happy with that, I'm telling you. You know, sometimes you just want to smell good, and other times you want to, you know, hey, maybe it'll be a little wilder. Getting ready to go out there and uh, go on a little bit of a hunting trip, you know what I'm saying? You might want to have a little louder cologne. And loud is probably the wrong word. Let's just say aggressive. So, again, go to hawthorne.co, take the, take the quiz, and use promo code BONEYARD to unlock savings for yourself. Again, it's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code BONEYARD. So, I skipped around for the top ten list today, and uh, and, and I'm proud of it, okay? So, I'm just going to take it now. I'll, some, I, it's been a good week, and I've got several other top ten lists that uh, – are in the queue, but I was out yesterday and I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to be I'm going to be home a lot this weekend, and uh, I don't have the book to work on anymore, and so I'm going to take some downtime this weekend. Probably go over to Buddy Jay's house and go swimming for a little bit, but uh, I'm going to crank up some records and I'm going to play some pool and I'm just going to enjoy being home and let my mind rest a little bit. And I said, you know what, I, I want to go get a new record. I want to go grab a new record. And when I say a new record, I mean new to me. I, when I go buy records, I go buy the classics. You know what I'm saying? Like Appetite for Destruction, Leads Up on Houses of the Holy, Foreigners, Double Vision. You know, I get these proven commodities. I'm not trying to go out there and find a new band on vinyl. That's not what I'm looking for. I know you younger guys, I mean, it's, you, know, you do what you want to do. But, uh, you know, I go out and I get some. If I can find a greatest hits album like my kids... Uh, got me Queen's Greatest Hits on vinyl, the new vinyl, for my birthday, which is really cool. I'm a big Queen guy, big Freddie Mercury guy. Love the entire catalog. But yesterday, I was out looking around. I wanted to get a great album, and I wanted to get somebody that, that uh, 
you know, very accomplished, but also too, I really wanted a greatest hits album. I didn't want to go get something with just a couple of decent singles on it. And so I got Rod Stewart's first greatest hits album. Now, when I was a DJ years ago, we had this CD, and uh, it was in the playlist regularly. And so I, uh, I couldn't wait to get it and get it home and hear the, you know, the, the hiss and crackle and pop and everything that goes along with vinyl. And uh, it just the music comes alive. And so I said, you know what, we're going to do a top ten list. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled to limit this to ten. And for some of you young bucks, if you're not into Rod Stewart, let me encourage you, you should be. Because that catalog is very diverse. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Interesting too that uh, Rod Stewart you know, he peaked in the 80s as a solo artist, and he got into the early 90s and, uh, you know, had some declining sales. And some of that, too, was just kind of the industry as a whole. But Rod lost his confidence as a songwriter, which is incredible because he is one of the best storytellers in song of all time. And said for about 20 years, he uh, just felt like that he might have lost his touch a little bit and uh, was reluctant to produce his own original material again. And then he got it, went to this phase where he did the American Songbook and uh, just recorded a lot of American standards as, uh, you know, covers and was it's exceptional. And for those of you that are curious, Rod Stewart has sold over 120 million records worldwide. They called him Sir Rod Stewart over in England, his uh, home of London, England. And interesting, too, he began his career, you know, kind of bounced around as a singer for hire. And then he joined uh, the Jeff Beck group. You know, Jeff had left the Yardbirds, and uh, that's where things kind of changed for Rod because he met Ron Wood, and though they ended up being kind of like like Keith. He was the Keith Richards to, uh, to Rod's Mick Jagger. You know, Ronnie Wood, big part of the, that sound of the 80s. Uh, for Rod Stewart and so and then from there he became a solo artist and uh you know I guess he went to Faces for a while Faces was great Jeff Beck group was great but uh Rod found his uh niche as a solo artist and so I'm going to run these down for you let me give you some honorable mentions a lot of Rod Stewart songs about relationships tons of them and again 120 million records it's incredible so here are my honorable mentions. I did not include Downtown Train. I know a lot of you are going to say, well, Steve, how could you miss that? What's well, a cover song, for one? Downtown Train is a cover song. All right, so uh, here are my honorable mentions. Uh, my Heart Can't Tell You No, great song. Young Turks, that was a huge hit. I Was Only Joking, which is a cool, it got a cool vibe to that one. That's good, just kind of sitting around chilling music. Passion, that was a big early 80s hit for Rod. Sailing, if I, if I remember this correctly, this might be the best-selling single in Rod Stewart's career in London or in England with Sailing. I think it was the number one over there. And then um, Infatuation, did I put that word in there? I don't think so. Yeah, so Infatuation was another one that I didn't put in the top ten list but was a big hit for them. And uh, the video is actually pretty clever. If you want to go watch it on YouTube, it's on there. But that's my honorable mention, so let's get to the top ten list. I like the earlier stuff, okay? And I, I, listen, I, I get it. You know, a lot of this earlier stuff is from the early 70s. But, uh, you know, I grew up in a time where we had jukeboxes. And it was a big deal if, uh, you know, mom or dad would give you a couple quarters and if, I'm, if I remember correctly, you got one play for 25 cents and three plays for 50 cents. And uh, it was such a cool thing to go to the neighborhood Pizza Hut or whatever and uh, be able to play, pick out your songs. And there were many times that I played Rod Stewart songs just because of the fact that, you know, it was a different deal. Rod was a cool dude, man. He was. Still is. Uh, 
Number 10 for me was Tonight's the Night. Number nine, one of my favorites from the very, very early part of his career, and, and it doesn't get enough uh, traction if you ask me, is you wear it well. Uh, very similar to that whole Maggie May vibe. One, it's cool, one of the cool lines in there is, uh, I won't mind if you call collect. Uh, most of you millennials will have no idea what he's talking about. You know, collect calls. You young folks have no idea what collect calls were. Collect calls meant is you called the operator and said, I'd like to call this number collect, and then they would accept the charges. The person you were calling would accept the charges for the long-distance call if you didn't have the money to pay for it. And so that's Rod's way of telling the girl, hey, if you need to talk to me, call me collect. It was very romantic, but that reference will be lost on this new generation. Uh, number eight, one of the great love songs uh, of all time is Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. It's a wonderful song. Even if you're not in love, that's a song that uh, that kind of speaks to you. Number seven, another great love song, You're In My Heart. That's one of those ones, too, that uh, it's you put it on, it's kind of hard not to sing along to the chorus. Whether you're in love or not, it's just it's a great song. Number six, off that camouflage album, the same one that had Infatuation, I don't think some guys have all the luck, was, was the, um, the hit that Infatuation was. But that camouflage album was very, very good. I had it on the cassette, but some guys have all like really cool song, and it's so interesting too that uh, you know Rod Stewart was such a sex symbol of the '80s. Here he is, you know, kind of poor mouthing himself. That some guys have all the luck, and and uh, if you look at the women that Rod Stewart has uh, married over his uh, life, I would say he has been right lucky. Number five, and you knew it was going to be on here. Do you think I'm sexy? Come on, sugar, let me know. It's uh, might be, you know, if you think about Rod Stewart, that's probably the first song that comes to mind for people who were alive back then. And this is really when, uh, you know, Rod kind of transitioned from kind of being a blues folk type singer and did a little disco. But uh, that was a mega hit, man, and uh, started wearing the uh, the spandex clothes and everything. You know, it was a it was a weird time of music. But uh, it's still a good song. Hey, the guitar, the guitar tone on that thing is pretty cool. But uh, do you think I'm sexy? I love that whispering part because I know he was trying to be all sultry and everything. But it, 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 it it's funny now. But back in those days, it was, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that was sultry. But uh, go, the video is cool, too. You can go check it out. Uh, number four for me, and this, some of you younger folks will remember this because it was covered by Sheryl Crow. And I actually thought she did a tremendous rendition of this, but it's uh, the first cut is the deepest, and uh, another another lover's lament song. Uh, but again, go check them both out. I, I I I like them both. I think Rods is a little bit better, but I thought Cheryl Crow, who had a major hit with that song, uh, did a really really good job. Number three for me, and I could have gone, I could have gone number one with this song because I absolutely love this song. And I think it is among the rockin'est songs in the Rod Stewart catalog because a lot of people kind of, you know, as he got older, you know, he became more of a crooner and stuff. People kind of saw him more of an adult contemporary artist. Rod Stewart was a rocker, man. He mellowed as he got a little bit older. Rod Stewart, at his heart, was very much a rock guy. And number three for me... And man, I, I tell you what, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm punking out a little bit by going number three with it, but it's hot legs. 
Hot Legs, Ron Wood's guitar tone on that song is absolutely incredible. And listen, a lot of that is like Chuck Berry riffs. I mean, this is like going back to the infancy of rock and roll. But Hot Legs, uh, because I love you, honey, if you listen to that song, it is one of those ones that you have to turn up. I mean, and there's there's so many layers to the instrumentation in that song. It's not just a great vocal. Everything in that song is just perfect. Love it. Number two, and this was the uh, this was my class song. You know, everybody has their little class song when you graduate. Ours was "Forever Young" by Rod Stewart, and that that song means a lot to me. Not just because of all that, but because as I got older, you know, my thought about my kids. Because this was a song that Rod wrote to his young son, and uh, it's words for living. There are a lot of people today that you need to go listen to this song. You need you need to go listen to this song and think about your children. And uh, probably gift it to them because it is one of those things. It is a it is a great ballad of sorts that is very very positive. It talks about being courageous and being brave. Uh, there's just so many good lines in that song, and that's the thing when when you think about Rod Stewart having kind of writer's block for a while and losing confidence in his mind uh, about his own writing abilities. And you go listen to this song, you realize, you know, how could somebody who was such a genius uh, when it comes to writing music kind of lose his way a little bit but uh but number one and you already know what it is man i, I must i'm telling you i'm kind of regretting not putting hot legs here because I, I feel like that i'm kind of bowing to conventional wisdom here but how could it not be maggie may really at some point all of us have had a maggie may in our life uh, and again it's one of those tongue songs too that is as soon as they come in you know exactly what you're listening to, who's singing it. It is the signature song for, for Rod Stewart, I, I believe. I don't think anybody could really... If, if, if Do You Think I'm Sexy made you a little bit nervous, you could still love Maggie Mae. And uh, listen, the mandolin in this... There's a mandolin solo in the middle of this that is perfect. It is so perfect. It's like I, I've, I've heard and seen these lists before about famous songs that have a mandolin as a... Uh, is a lead instrument and this to me this is it this is the one uh i I know listen i know people mentioned the rem stuff and and that's cool you can be wrong if you want to be but this is the one for me that uh when you hear it kick in it's it just it's like an emotional um you know elevation of sorts you listen to it it makes you feel better about life but anyway that's that's my list that's my rod stewart list for those of you that were curious liked his work with the faces and like i liked people get ready from um, Jeff Beck and, and, and I'm Losing You and all that sort of stuff with the faces. I love all that stuff, but I wanted to really go with more of the, the solo stuff today. So I hope you enjoyed that list, and I uh, hope that uh, you will continue to send me your ideas for list. I'll put you in a queue if I'm interested. I can't do them all. That's, uh, and listen, I want them all, uh, but some, sometimes, like, again, you guys ask me to talk about things that I don't really know about. And so, like, somebody asked me the other day about uh, who was my favorite with one of these anime cartoon deals, one of these fighting things, I, I, it's not me. Ask, ask my kids, they could tell you, but uh, I, I couldn't help you with that. So thanks again for all the submissions, and uh, we'll get back to some football stuff next week on the, on the top ten list. So Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie and Stan Man are looking for you at Campus Bookmark. You need to go by and see them. They will get you outfitted for football season. And you know what? We're having football season. 
Don't listen to the negative. Now he's out there. We're going to have football. I don't know when we're going to play or who we're going to play and, and how, if we're all going to better watch it live or not. But the bottom line is we're going to play football. And you need to get some new maroon and white in your life. You want to make everybody in your house feel better and more positive about football season, order everybody a shirt. How about that? Go order everybody a new Mississippi State shirt. Go get them a Mike Leach shirt or Mike Leach hat or go get you the, the, the pirate shirt, whatever. And you can find all that at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. And uh, uh, trust me on this. that the, the smiles in this house are never brighter or broader than when those packages come in the mail. And, and you know, with, with two college girls that uh, are in and out of this house without Mississippi State being in session, uh, I, we get packages every day. I never know what's going to show up. But I'll tell you, when I walk in with those, it seems like a, an armful of packages every single day, everybody gets excited. Sometimes they're from Poshmark, sometimes they're from Amazon, whatever, but there's always something. And everybody is excited. So if you want to excite the people in your life and in your family, order them a package, have it sent there, because everybody loves that unexpected T-shirt, man. They do. It's just part of life. Treat yourself. So let's get into a couple things before we get out of here. It was reported yesterday that uh, Florida State Seminoles, Jari and Jones and Fabian Lovett, uh, had been granted clearance to play this year, immediate eligibility. And that, that was kind of a bone of contention for a while here in the Magnolia State. To give you a little backstory on that, you recall Fabian Lovett uh, announced that he was uh, looking to transfer. And uh, that came shortly after the uh, the whole Leach tweet thing that, uh, listen, I'm not going to offer a lot of commentary on that. I, th- I think a lot of that was overblown, but uh, you can believe what you want. But all that being said, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that Fabian Lovett's position with the Mississippi State football program was not what you may think it was. There was a real possibility that Fabian Lovett was not going to be a member of the Mississippi State football team this year, no matter what was put on Twitter. Let that sink in for a second. There are some things that, uh, you know, we hadn't really talked a lot about. I'm still kind of gathering some information there. But there was a possibility he wasn't going to be here anyway. But he left, he transferred, and uh, listen, we all kind of moved on. There were some things that were said in the media about his departure that were completely untrue. But we just kind of move on from it. There's no point in kind of, you, you listen, you don't, you don't really gain anything trying to win a war on Twitter, right? But uh, be that as it may, he had moved on, and then the, the whole Jari and Jones uh, flap gate turned up. And uh, listen, I, you know, here's the thing. I know a lot of people, I'm, I'm always one that kind of airs on the side of the kids. And so, you know, Jari and Jones, when he was a recruit, worked overtime to try to get Jonathan Mango and Jerry and Ely to sign with Mississippi State. They were, they were close. They're, they're buddies. And so – Turnabout, I guess, was kind of fair play, but there was more to it than the players. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of Ole Miss people, you know, they think, oh, well, it's just players going to getting together. That's not true. That's not true. If it was true, 
then Jari and Jones would be at Ole Miss right now. If that was all that it was, then both of them would be there. Uh, and again, I don't, I'm not aware of any tampering allegations involving Fabian Love. I believe he left of his own volition, uh, but I believe in many respects he was one step ahead of the fire. But, uh, but all that being said, you know, this, this, all this talk about this party, there is an issue with all of that. And it's so interesting how quickly this faded from the headlines uh, for some people. Again, if everything was on the up and up, these two players would be at Ole Miss right now. Now, the Ole Miss folks thought, well, they would oppose the waiver if we go to Ole Miss, but they probably wouldn't oppose it elsewhere. And so I was told back then, I said, you know what? If this is all about this uh, this tweet thing, it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be a war. It's going to be something that makes everybody look bad, you know. And so you probably think, okay, well, maybe it's best just to leave well enough alone and kind of move on. But the bigger issue wasn't, that it wasn't the player's perception, it wasn't uh, you know social media driven. The but the bigger issue here, and every bit of this, has been you cannot allow other teams to actively recruit members of your roster. Period. Simple as that. You have to take steps to protect your program. Those steps were taken. The program was protected. And listen, Mississippi State's still losing a couple of guys off too deep. On defense, you know, we're the big losers in that respect, okay? And I say losers in the fact that, you know, there's a couple guys who were four-star kids within the state of Mississippi that we had signed and we were very proud of and uh, really thought that they would be, you know, solid contributors throughout their career. And so we have lost their services. And what's the, the worst part about that is, is that neither one of those situations were of Mississippi State's making. You know, Fabian Lovett, made some decisions that uh, put his Mississippi State career in jeopardy. And then he elected to move on. Okay, cool. The Jarian Jones situation, uh, Mississippi State, very good Jarian Jones. Jim Moorhead did a great job recruiting Jarian Jones to be here. And Jarian was a good Bulldog when he was here. Jarian played hard for Mississippi State, made a lot of plays for Mississippi State, was very much a Bulldog. And if you recall, if you go look at the end of the Egg Bowl, uh, the first player to run across the field and kind of start doing some jawjacking, Jarian Jones. That's why everybody was so surprised to see him in the old Miss regalia and throwing up a land shark and all that kind of stuff. And again, a lot of that goes back to friendship. But, uh, but also, again, I'll submit to you again, if it was all in the up and up, that's where he'd be. That's where he'd be. Simple as that. I don't think all that's over with, just so you know. I don't think we have heard the last of that. So we'll see. We'll see how things develop. I don't know how that got processed. You know what I'm saying? You know, because sometimes when things happen, you know, sometimes there is, you know, kind of like an out-of-court settlement. You know, it's like, hey, listen, okay, we just won't recruit the kids. We'll drop them. We'll discipline a coach or whatever, you know. And so, uh, you know, all of that is rather interesting. You know, if you read in hindsight, there, every so often there'll be some school that'll release their uh, somebody file open records for their self-reports, and it gets out there that, hey, this coach called this kid on this day, and they weren't supposed to, so we stopped recruiting the kid for a week or whatever. And there's some of that that goes on. That doesn't rise to the level of sanctions, if you know what I'm saying. People self-sanction themselves from time to time. But, uh, but you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't understand how they got the waiver. So here's what, I'll, here's what I can tell you that I've been told is that uh, Florida State 
did not pursue um, anything untoward in reference to anything of anything controversial in the waiver. So I'm told. I'm told they just simply requested the waiver for eligibility and that Mississippi State signed off on it and was a cooperative party in the deal just to kind of, hey, let's move on. Let's just kind of put it behind us and move on. And then, and then there's this release, and I don't, I still don't understand the purpose of that. Yeah, I, I think you just go play. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, Mississippi State has had some of those before too. I mean, you know, it's like when Andre Hunter Espinosa, um, you know, they filed for the waiver, and we waited to see what was going to happen, and you know, we did, we didn't call a press conference. You know, it's just a little silly to me. But all that, but all that being said, is that I believe. Mississippi State has acted appropriately at the beginning of this saga and at the end of the saga. Mississippi State did what they could to protect the program. Mississippi State involved the SEC office to ensure that uh, Greg Sankey and everybody was well aware of what had taken place. And then now here at the end, Mississippi State has tried to do right by the kids. You know, and here's the deal. if Let's say that Mississippi State had opposed the waiver. You know, State would have been able to go in there with evidence and, and kind of roll that out there and say, listen, this guy does not deserve immediate eligibility, and this is the reason why. I mean, you could look at Fabian Lovett, and you could take his own social media presence and say, listen, here he was multiple times on Twitter saying he wanted to transfer or he should have gotten out of Mississippi when he had the chance or this, you know, uh, and not to mention the countless times that he went and met with Jay Perry and others about uh, potentially transferring. I mean, this was not a new phenomenon. It's not like he was completely happy and then one day he saw something on Twitter that he was unhappy with and said, hey, i got to get out of here because of this. This was something that had been going on for months. This is not anything new. And so all of that certainly could have been introduced into evidence and said, hey, he didn't deserve the opportunity to get immediate eligibility because he's been looking at a transfer for six months and he saw an opportunity to get out and to kind of raise a red flag and to kind of uh, probably aid in his cause to get immediate eligibility, right? I think you could certainly make that case. You know, Jerry and Jones thing is completely different. But I think when you begin to look at them, they were probably similarly situated in many respects. But Mississippi State could have prolonged this process and made it more difficult on everybody, but they didn't. And so now we'll kind of move on with all of that. But, again, I don't think we've heard the last of this. I think we've heard the last of it as far as Mississippi State goes. Uh, but I don't know that we've heard the last of this. It'll be, it will be interesting to see what happens uh, with this in the coming weeks and months. Uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how this has all been processed and kind of received and, and what steps were taken uh, kind of behind the scenes. And we'll find out. We'll do our best anyway, and we'll have it right here for you. So, uh, But, again, this is a situation we're kind of all moving on from. But the, the bottom line is, is at the end of the day, Mississippi State has two players they were counting on uh, that are not going to be, be eligible to play for us because they're in Florida State now. So, I would say we wish them the best, but, uh, you know, everybody kind of parted on uh, on bad terms. But uh, be that as it may, appreciate their contributions to Mississippi State while they were here. So, and for those of you that, are, that keep up with stuff, and that should be most of you, the uh, pre-orders for Alpha Dogs will be available very, very soon. Very soon. Production is complete. Uh, the book is in the hands of the layout folks. I think all I've got left to do is get my picture made. Uh, for the new book jacket. I'm, I'm just trying to decide if I want to keep the full beard or not. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I guess I'll keep it, the quarantine beard in the picture, and there'll always be something we can document for uh, for down the road. Uh, but be that as it may, 
that'll be available soon. Looking forward to you guys having it. And uh, I get excited about it. Every time I think about it, When I, I'll forget about the fact that I interviewed Timmy Bowers about the 2004 basketball season and about Eric Shelton in Alabama and uh, the choke game with Stansberry and Ole Miss. And uh, it gets me excited to think about, you know what, how cool that story is. And then I go back and look through it. So, oh, yeah, I forgot. We got Mitch Moreland in this book. We got Mitch Moreland talking about one of the World Series with the Red Sox and about, uh, you know, getting Mississippi State to Omaha by mowing down some hitters from Clemson. You know, we can talk about the game of change. We can talk about Alan McKean and Rafael Palmero and Jake Mangum, and those are all, you know, huge stories. But there's not a single story or a single chapter in this book that I would take back. None of them. And if you like Stark Villains, you're going to love Alpha Dogs. It's more of the same, but I believe the stories are better. I believe the writing is better. Uh, I believe that uh, we have worked really, really hard on the editing process to make it uh, as good a read as possible. I think you're going to be happy with it. And so we've got some things we're going to do to kind of when we get ready to roll it out for pre-order. So be prepared for that. I think it's important that uh, you know that we have some sports, but also to you know the documenting stories before people move on before people you know none of us are promised anything for tomorrow you know there's no guarantee we're gonna get up tomorrow but be that as it may you know while many of these great dog legends are still alive i'm gonna do what we can to document their stories there's nobody else doing it it's important to me and i think it's important to you uh and so my hope is, you know, for those of there, you know, we sold a ton of books of Flim Flam. We sold a bunch of Star Villains, too. Uh, a lot of people bought Flim Flam and passed it around. But I've had many people tell me, said, you know what, Steve, I bought Stark Villains. I bought two, I, people tell me, I bought two copies, one to keep and one to share. Uh, I think it's going to be the same way with our Alpha Dogs. I think this is a book that you'll want to go back and read because, again, it's, it's a collection of stories written chronologically. So you can start in the middle of the book if you want to. You know, it's not like I'm going to introduce a character in chapter one and then all of a sudden you, know, you, you skip around to chapter seven and you, you can't follow the story. It is essentially a collection of stories told chronologically in Mississippi State's history. And, of course, all the writing kind of connects it all. But uh, if you want to go read about Mike Kelly or Bruce story, you can go read their chapters and, and not feel lost. But uh, I'm excited about this. I really am. And it has been a huge part of my life, and, and I, I think about this I have worked on this basically every day now for four months. And uh, I guess I can go back farther than that because I, I began doing the, the planning process right around Christmas, not into January. And we inter- I interviewed players and coaches from January and February, did most of the interviews then, and then basically sat down and started pumping out content you know, for three months. And uh, I'm a little bit scared at times because uh, I'm about to release this baby out to the world. So I want you guys to be gentle with it. Be kind to it, because I believe it's something that's going to matter to you. I believe it's one of those things you're going to look back and say, you know, I remember when this happened, or I was in school when this happened, or I had already heard about this but didn't know all the details. I've done my best to get that for you. And I don't know when I'll write the next one of these books. I've told you I've got something different I'm going to do next year, early in the year. But uh, I'm going to enjoy this for a while, and I hope you do as well. So be looking forward to that. And uh, Alpha Dogs... The perfect title, I think, when you consider the people involved in this, the people that are quoted in the book. Very, very excited for you guys to have it. You can go to StarkVillains.com and order your Stark Villain shirts, and you should. 
And you can go to starkvillainsthebook.com and you can get autographed copies, personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains, the book, and pretty soon you'll be able to get Alpha Dog's book. All those URLs are all going to go to the same place. They're all going to go to the same place. So we'll get that to you sooner rather than later. Looking forward to you guys having it. And again, it'll be, uh, yeah, I guess it'll be, you know, several weeks, but uh, pretty soon we'll have some books in your hands. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.